Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Hello, welcome to Ruin. My name is Hallie. My name is Allison. And this is a podcast where we ruin a horror movie just for you. Just for and you. And we are doing a very special se- uh, segment um, inspired by uh, the, our recent film, Cujo. We have, well, maybe not our very own Cujo, but someone <laughs> who had their own experience with rabies. Allison, take it away. Yes, uh, you're implying that I have had rabies uh, with that framing. But well, um, based on well, we'll get into that. But based on what you told yeah. our producer, apparently you think people are just out here getting rabies willy nilly. I. It seems like it's ha- there's a lot of critters out there. They're carrying a lot of diseases. Okay, but I don't have rabies, and neither does our guest. Um, but our guest is uh, my best friend. One of my I'm sorry, best friend is a tier, not a person. So Hallie, please don't take that as anything to diminish our I relationship. Would never. Um, I would say best friend uh, colon rabies uh, category. Yes, yes, rabies category. Once was uh, exposed to rabies category. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, bat category, I guess. Uh, yes. Um, uh, brilliant pastry chef, uh, BFF, ruined super fan, friend of the pod, Natasha Pickowitz is here to talk about an Yay. experience with us that connects to Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for the introduction. Yes. Welcome. I'm like a rave. I'm a, I was going to say I'm a rabies super fan. I'm a ruined <laughs> super fan. <laughs> rabies survivor. Love rabies. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I was like listening to the Cujo episode and it sort of like triggered this memory that was like buried in my mind that I had of my own sort of brush with rabies in 2009. Yeah. So uh, I'd love to tell you guys about it. What or who did you encounter? How did how did you first like get exposed, and then mm-hmm. like then we could get into like what happens after? Well, I guess to set the scene, um, <laughs> Allison and I did go to Cornell together, which is where we met. And then after we graduated, I lived in Ithaca yes. for a few more years, um, working in the town. And I lived in the Commons, which is sort of in downtown Ithaca, and I had this you know, super shitty apartment that was like $500 a month and none of the windows had screens on them, which I think is illegal. Um, But I, in the summer, of course, I didn't have air conditioning because I was like 22. Mm -hmm. Um, And and in the summer, I would like leave all my windows open to try to sleep. No, no, no. And anybody who's ever been to Ithaca before the commons knows that there are these like giant trees that sort of line the commons. And in the evening, like during dusk, you can see thousands of bats sort of roosting, I don't know, like flapping around. But it's a very common sight in that part of I do remember seeing bats in town. Like, there's just bats around. Like, they're just hanging. Yeah. So I think, you know, like living in a little town, you kind of get used to some more of the, like, rural, outdoorsy Mm -hmm. aspects of the environs. Um, And so I never really, like, thought twice about it. So I was living by myself and asleep. It was the middle of the night. No, no, I hate this. And I woke up because I had a cat named Joni. Joni. And she was making 
these sounds like she was fighting something. Oh, no. And it was this sort of, you know, cats can make these inhumane, terrifying, (laughs) guttural sounds. Yes. And I woke up and I, I mean, it was terrifying. And it was dark and I was disoriented and I was like half asleep. (laughs) And I couldn't, she's like, she was very fluffy. Like so fluffy, you almost can't perceive like where her body ends and where like the air begins. Like just very ethereal cat. And so I couldn't even really like discern what was going on. So I'm just trying to pick her up, actually, to see what's happening. And in the process of me picking her up, the bat, which had sort of tangled itself and was attacking my cat, flew into my long, thick, tangled Gorgeous. 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 Stunning hair. But this is, of course, that everybody on this podcast right now has (laughs) thick hair. Yeah, Yeah. just bat traps abound coming out of our heads. And this is funny because this is sort of the cliche, and I feel like if if anyone's a sort of a bat bat scientist, I'm sure you're like, no, they don't fly into your hair. But this is a situation the bat certainly didn't mean to, but given its options, it's like, I guess I'm going to fly into this lady's hair. I don't know what I'm doing here. And I think also, I mean, you know, one of the hallmarks of an animal that has rabies is that it's doing things outside of when it would normally do yes. those things. Right, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah. And and so, like, a bat that's super active during the day would indicate that it has rabies. But at, at the time, you know, I just, like, didn't even know what was going on. It flew into my hair. I sort of, oh like— Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How big it, was it? It little. Really oh, little. Oh, that's so nice, cute. Almost I worse. have some pictures, actually. Um, but Okay, well, we'll share those <laughs> anyway, with us so we that. can post those <laughs> if you are comfortable. <laughs> so that was, like, the worst night of my life. And yeah. basically, yes. I, like, got like, the bat out of my hair. Oh. And because I was in my bedroom, I just sort of, like, closed the door and slept on the couch for the night because oh. I was like, I can't deal with this right, right now. Right, you're just locking yeah. the bat in your ba- in your bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, this no, is I a tomorrow problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I would go to a hotel because that's what I did when I saw a cockroach in my apartment once, but that's just, you didn't have those options. There's not many hotels in Ithaca. Well, yeah, right. So the next morning I woke up and opened, sort of like, you know, opened the door very slowly, scanning the room. And it had landed... Oh my gosh. On this like raw silk dress that was hanging on a coat hanger over my window. I don't know why. I probably just like wanted to look at it or something. <laughs> but it had landed and was hanging there. And that's where I took the picture. Upside it down? It was like the length, it was upside down. It was like the length of my thumb. I mean, it was kind of cute, sort of fuzzy. Sort what of color furry. is the what color is the dress? I'm just trying to visually picture the scene. Sort of like a sage seafoam green color. Do you still have it? Great. And, well, no, because what I did was, I didn't know what to do. And if I had, um, you know, Googled what to do before actually doing anything, I would have found out that you're supposed to call animal control. Mm -hmm. And they want to take, they take those animals and they test them to find out if they have rabies. Yes. Sort of saving you the trouble of getting the, you know, shots yourself. But I didn't do that, and instead I called my friend Meredith, who is sort of like the person who would do anything gross, and she was sort of fearless in that way, and I knew she would, <laughs> like, deal said, with it. We all have that friend. But also, yeah. before you said she, fearless, I was like, oh, just your friend who would do anything gross. Like, just like, call me, hey, she's gross, get her over here. It's very funny. <laughs> she's like somebody that would 
do well if there was an apocalypse type situation. You know, she's very like resourceful. I'd be dead immediately. (laughs) Yeah, she's like brave, you know? (laughs) So No, um, I don't. (laughs) What's it like to be brave? (laughs) So what we did was just took a soup pot, which I I think I threw away after this was done, and sort of I hope captured it up against the dress and then put the lid on the other side of the dress and then sort of pulled the pot and the lid away together. And that was when I noticed that the bat had left this weird, gross residue on the dress. And it was totally ruined. Um, So that was disappointing. And then we did something you're not supposed to do, which is... You ate it. (laughs) (laughs) Bat soup. You cooked it. Yeah, I was like, cooked a big old batch of bat soup. It was (laughs) delicious. We, Meredith leaned out of the window, took the lid off mm. the pan, and, and the bath flew away. Okay. Yeah. Like, what were we thinking? Actually, I was yelled at by the CDC person after I called to schedule my own shots because what you have to do— So with bats, you can actually contract rabies just through, like, a skin exposure. Yeah. Like, they can pass rabies on through— you know, the, the, the kind of skin of their, of their wing. Like, you don't right. have to get bitten. So even though I didn't feel like I had been bitten, and I don't think my cat had been either, just coming into contact with one is yeah. enough to warrant. And also, she means it's like, what, it, it, just the risk alone. Like, let's yes. say it did scratch you a tiny bit and you didn't perceive it. Or not. It just like whatever it right. is, just get it done. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you're listening to this, please let that be your takeaway. If you even go near a bat, I need you to, get, to call the CDC and yes. figure out what you should be doing. hundred yeah. percent. So I'm glad that you did that. And also, what made you then call? Like, what were you? Because you let the bat go, and then at what point are you like, oh, I guess I should call somebody to like make sure. What was that thought process? Yes. Because at that point, I did start reading about it, okay. and your window to begin those post-exposure shots yes. is, like, 24 hours or something. Yeah, like, yeah. And Horrifying. it's a very, very strict course of, like, four or five shots I had to get over yeah. two or three weeks um, that I had to get at, like— Where did you do these in Ithaca? It what, was, like, medical center? <laughs> yeah. It was, I think, a kind of urgent care kind okay. of facility— um, it wasn't the ER, but mm-hmm. it was like, you know, yeah. a kind of a walk-in situation. But you have to call. And when I was on the phone with the people at CDC, they were like, you know, that's this is a red flag because a bat shouldn't be flying into a home, no matter what time of day it is. So yeah. this could be like a bat that's dis- disoriented or sick or whatever. And also if it's leaving a film, I was like, I was thinking of Cujo, you know, foaming at the mouth. Yes. Like the bat might have had that be at that point of symptoms where it is drooling on everything. Yes. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So I had to start that course. And my cat actually didn't have to get any post-exposure shots because ca- house cats legally have to get the rabies vaccine as part oh, of their good. Like, okay. Good. Okay. So Joni Why are we not getting that? Where is the human rabies vaccine? I, w- I would light up right now and get it. Absolutely. Just get your bases covered because then you won't have to get five shots over three weeks with like eight inch long needles oh. that you, I have to take, I had to take Where in your all. body? Arm? They all were in my leg. Yeah. Like, they were in my leg. And the way that they administered them was really unnerving because I remember that I had to lie down and the needle, the entire, like, length of the needle has to go into your oh, God. flesh muscle. And then you have to remain horizontal for 45 minutes because they told me that was the best way for, like, 
the medicine <laughs> to sort of like disperse in my fake. body. Or like, something. Okay, yeah. What is this? The medieval times? Like, what do you, like if you're upside down, it helps your feet. And what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you become a bat. Yeah, it's like you're growing wings, like yeah, hang I'm upside like, down. I'm upside it's the down. fly all over. Um, yeah, yeah. So wow. that, that that and they like left me feeling really crazy, super tired. There are so oh, many wow. like extra symptoms you get after you get those shots, and but you know it's it's you don't have a choice. Like yeah. legally, yes. you have to do it. Yes. And the CDC makes you do it and they stay on top of you. Also, the um, alternative is having rabies and dying. And there's no cure for rabies. Right. right. I mean, I, I would say kudos to you for like going through that process of like having to figure out who to call and like then yeah. like figuring out like where to go. And like, to me, that whole process is so, I would just be so, I would do it obviously, but I would just be screaming the, administ- the entire time. Just The terrifying. administrative elements of this are right. yeah. perhaps the most horrifying. Like I would call 911. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. And, and I saw administ- a bat. Like, okay. All right, lady. <laughs> and I think that the administrative sort of unpleasantness kind of continued on with all of the, like, bureaucratic kind of disorganization that yes. happened with, like, how I was— So the CDC, state of New York, I don't know, like, the Parks Department? Like, I don't even know. But the state is required to pay— for these shots. Which is like, great. Yes, even if good. you don't have health insurance yeah. or anything like that. But um, I still got a bill in the mail for like $1,000. And at the time, I had like no money. So this was a really big deal. And it took like, you know, months of back and forth to like mm. straighten out this, Ugh. you know, this bill. Yeah. And it As was always, just like, the greatest yes. horror movie is the American healthcare system. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, exactly. I'm sure you had to be like, listen, either resolve this or but come down there and just start biting everybody. Like, I will sort <laughs> of bite your ass right now if you make me pay this bill. Going into, like, a government building and threatening to bite people is so funny. <laughs> I will give you all rabies. That's what a bat would do. Well, and the only way you can transmit rabies is if you have, if you are right, displaying you're symptomatic. Those, if you're in the throes of those symptoms, um, like, you know, Cujo was. So. And I'm so glad you did not get to that point. I'm so yes, very glad that this worked me out too. for best. Other than getting a bill for, like, again, the an whole, ungodly like, amount of money for a it's, public it's safety truly measure. insanity. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm so happy to share my story. Thank um, you. I mean, I mean, we wanted to hear it. And also, I'll be honest, you made Ithaca sound great. Other than, yes, the rabid bat part, not great, but like you, the commons and there's like trees and oh, you were gorgeous. too and could live alone. I was like, oh, I mean, what a life. It is yeah, great, it but great. you know, you're at risk of rabies. So, well, you know, hey, there's yeah. risks in everything. Pros, <laughs> but I pros and cons say. to every city. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. And now I think I'm like set for life. So that's good. So you're um, out here just playing with bats all yeah, the time, just hanging out. out, carrying a raccoon on <laughs> your <cares>. shoulder. <laughs> okay, that yeah. would be a good look. Um, yeah, well, you could pull it off, Natasha. This is great. You know, Cujo follow up, and I feel like we've discussed rabies in a lot of our movies because <laughs> wild rabbit animals seem to be a hallmark of so many horror films. Uh, and this, Natasha, this actually explains how the first time when we met, I was trapped in my car and you kept barking and jumping and trying to break inside. <laughs> this, this, now I'm like, oh, that's what was tracks, going on. That tracks, you know what I mean? But I'm so I've glad had, that I got yeah, out. Yeah, I've had rabies for 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> a medical miracle. Um, well, thank you for sharing this experience with us. Wow. Truly. So honored to share this really a special thank you. you. A special meeting of the minds here. So, <laughs> thank you and um 
Well, look for that photo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But definitely send us any photos you have oh, of the yes, bat please. so that we can uh, share them with the world. And I feel like we'll all end up right. being like, I love the bat. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm already picturing it. And it seems like so a Disney cute. bat. Yeah, justice for the bat. Mm-hmm. Natasha, thank, thank you, you so much. And also, really, if you're listening, if anything happens, you go to your bat, please just call the just CDC. Call CDC. Don't even yeah. think about it twice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's let's all say rabies free in 2022. Yeah, that's yeah one <laughs> one horrific medical nightmare at a time for this country. Like let's get through these yeah. two pandemics before we take on a third. Um, well, thank you for joining us, and uh, I guess now we'll get to this week's movie. So Ooh. enjoy, and uh, we love you. <laughs> We love you. And we love, we love you, you Natasha. Natasha. Wow. Dream come true. Thanks, guys. So fun. Hey. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Oh, hello. Oh, Welcome hello. to Ruined. This is Hallie. And this is Allison. And this is a podcast where you're ruining a horror movie just for you. Just How you doing, Allison? You. I'm good. I feel like I had something I wanted to tell you. I don't know what that was, though. I totally lost it. You know what? Again, you are God's favorite as just sketch. And it will return to you if it's meant to be return to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're like when this comes out, it'll be old news, but uh Beyonce's uh, album dropped. I literally I think- j- have not listened to the whole thing yet. I've I, only gotten I halfway through. I trying to prepare these. Yeah, I'm so yeah. excited. The songs I listened to as of yet, like, wonderful. Couldn't be we, happier. We needed some dance music. I feel like it's yes. been a minute since there's been good dance music, and this, like, whole album feels, like, very disco. Absolutely. And, like, dance hall kind of vibes, which... Not that we could go to those safely, but it would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Well, probably not, but um, yeah. it's probably it never again is it going to feel. Not that the albums uh, seem similar, but it reminds me how um, Lady Gaga came out with Chromatica in 2020. And yeah. I think that was going to be, she's like, it is the Pride this album. It's going to tour. You know, it's going to be big. It's bops, you know? Yeah. And then the pandemic happened and it started like I know. Beyonce, I think. She's always she's always a little better with the timing. You know what I mean? She's she, someone who is she's got people analyzing the data. Yeah, she's got a team on it. Not that Lady Gaga doesn't, and there oh, was no course. there was no way to know like that that was coming. Absolutely not. <laughs> From like the scheduling of like record releases and how long yeah. it takes to put one. It's not like she started in like February. I want um, to be clear. I do not want you to in any way imply that Lady Gaga no. knew about or Beyonce knew about the pandemic ahead of time. That's a filthy rumor, and I don't want starting. No, here, okay? we're not starting that. We are stands to the end uh but yeah so far it's great and I was just like oh this is so fun and then I'm like guess I'll just stay home <laughs> yeah I'm just excited to stay home listen to Beyonce yeah do I'll happily do that nothing watch that the, that watch big giant of... glass horse she's on on the co- I mean that's cool as hell that's she cool looks as hell. fabulous I don't even like horses but I'm like I'm into this <laughs> well yeah a glass horse seems even scarier because you just explode at any point in time I know it feels like both like delicate and powerful <laughs> Oh, that's the point. That's the that's imagery. The <laughs> oh, Beyonce, you've done it again. Such a genius. Um, I, I, I'd like to kick off our uh, uh, movie for this week, and yes. I'd like to start with an apology. And the apology oh, is, you know, I, I'm, you know, it just depends on the, my whims and everything. I, you know, the time it takes to do certain movies. Some are quick, some are short. So in this case, I did the movie we're about to do 
And I watched it and took notes and everything. And it was only after I was done that I took a look at who the screenplay was by and the story was by. Oh, no. I I did see a name in (laughs) the in the um, trailer that did shake me much more than the content of the trailer yes, did. Yes, unfortunately. And so the movie we are doing is 1981's The Burning. Yes. And if you, it's directed by Tony Malum. And if you know anything about this film, you will know that it was written by Bob Weinstein and Peter Lawrence. And it is based on a story in part conceived by Harvey Weinstein. And what's interesting, having not known that before I watched the movie, there are definitely some Weinstein themes. Now, granted, it's a slasher summer camp movie from the early 80s, so they all do. But there's definitely a vibe that is sympathetic to the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. And I didn't, until I saw that, I just thought, oh, of course, it's the early 80s. Yeah. Uh, people didn't know about consent or acting like a fucking normal person. Yeah. And then I see this, I'm like, my God, the man's been influencing culture. The only reason I feel okay about doing this is mm-hmm. that it was such a fucking box office flop. The budget yeah. was um, $1.5 million and the box office was like 700000 so they really ate shit on it. And I'm Good. like, I will propagate this to basically support um, his failure. Harvey, yes. This is a Harvey Weinstein failure. I mean, listen, did I ever watch Chicago and loved it? I did. You know, and he's affiliated with that and many other I mean, phenomenal the, films. The problem but. with somebody like Weinstein is, of course, that he's touched so many. I mean, a terrible way to say that. But, like, he's involved <laughs> yes. with so many films that, like, to it is hard to avoid his influence sometimes. And it's hard yes. to avoid, like, films that he's had, like, any involvement with at all. And not that we want to, like, ignore the realities of, like, who he is and what he's done. But uh, for the sake of this podcast, we needed some camp movies, and we didn't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> And that's on us. And we're very sorry. Yes. And um, I, so I just wanted to apologize up, up front, and um, I'll absolutely read your letters. And you are, are correct. Yes. But um, another thing I want to address is that The Burning uh, is about a legend in New York State that I was not familiar with called Cropsy. So it's sort of loosely based on it. It's an urban legend. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, sort of Staten Island, New York area, you know, stemming from the 60s and 80s. And I vaguely remember hearing about this, but Cropsy's like a madman. In some versions of it, he has a hook. And, of course, mm-hmm. he's an escape mental patient. Obviously. You know, he's um, out here mur- murdering children, you know. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you tell your friends to, like, terrify each other, yes. you know. Interestingly, there is a 2009 documentary called Cropsy. And it is about a particular murderer who is believed to be really a serial killer named Andre Rand. And he is a convicted child kidnapper from Staten Island. And what the documentary posits is that he is sort of the basis of the the Cropsey legend. Like, that mm. his crime sort of gave birth to this. I don't know how they would prove that, but it's an interesting explanation of how sort of we have these, these horrific legends and figures. Mm-hmm. And then they're based on, at least in part, a reality. So it's yes. like you're telling these children are hearing these stories. I'm sure it's you know, don't want be out at night alone. Right. You know, sort of those warning signs. And then unfortunately you do have these people um, who have committed horrific crimes uh, against children. And um, he, uh, this person is currently uh, in, in pr- president and he's up for parole in 2037. I got to think he's not coming to, getting out anytime I soon. Don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. 
Um, but I thought again that was that was very interesting. Um, he they think he's he was convicted of kidnapping two two children. They believe he was um, unfortunately. Uh, probably likely responsible for the disappearances of some other children. And uh, boy, you, you hate to see it. I hate um, to see it. Luckily, th- that part of the the this legend is not really brought to the forefront. Th- they simply sort of using the name Cropsy and then sort of spinning their own yarn with Into it. Into a new villain. Yes. So speaking of, we always like to have Allison watch the trailer for the movie. What did you think about the uh, the movie, uh, the trailer for The Burning? Boy, you can see the production value. <laughs> it's just scissors. <laughs> but I do think, like, scissors, I don't know, it's that thing of, like, an every, if it's, like, how often am I seeing a giant machete? That's, like, not really in my world. So, like, That's the a good threat, point. Thankfully. The threat of it, I know, thank God. Um, like, the threat of something like, uh, like, a horrific, weird, or medieval, or, you know, super violent, rare thing. But, like, an everyday item, like giant shears. Like, there Mm -hmm. is something scary about, like, anybody could have those. Um, Yeah. It wouldn't be weird to own a pair of, like, large scissors. Um, So it makes them, like, oh, anybody could have these. Anybody could be doing this. Like, I do think that that's, like, a fun trope to play in. Yeah, and there's definitely, like, an element of, like, yeah, we could go to, I go to Home Depot right now and get a pair of shears or like yeah. a chainsaw. I mean, exactly. I, you know, thankfully I have no interest in it. Nope. But yeah, you could, if you have the wherewithal, you can create a weapon out of a lot, a lot of things that just happen to be around it or laying in a shed. Yeah. And that's, that is unnerving. Absolutely. It is unnerving. So definitely, yeah, definitely uh, scarier than you would think scissors could be. Um, and we also like to take a baseline scary. Um, so Allison, you know, there's a lot of different elements at play. I would say, how scary do you find the concept of being set on fire? Oh, um, very. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, yeah, bur- yeah. Burning alive is really high up there for me. <laughs> yeah, it made me, watching this movie, I was like, I got to get one of those little, like, um, at-home fire extinguishers for the kitchen. I don't have one, yeah. so I oh, really got to yeah. get one of those. And get also buy one for everyone I know. You know, just make yeah, sure everyone has one, one. But I'll be honest, I have no idea. Like, if there were a fire and I had to use it, I would have <laughs> right. to, like, read the instructions first and would not be, like, I would be, like, panicking. Also, we you like, did, scramble and get it out of a closet, you know? Yeah, it's in the back of, like, my under-the-sink cabinet. Like, I'd have to move, like, a large <laughs> pot and several empty During bottles of Windex. Fire. Like, yeah. it's just not... It should be more prominent. It should be easier to access than it is. So I, uh, yeah. I this this will probably make me like reconfigure some things. Well, when um, both of my mothers hear this and then contact us to be like, yes. "What are you doing?" Yes. And we my, will, my, we my will parents are going to be out. upset. Yeah, that that's the system I've got. But my building has like I have we have built-in sprinklers that come on if like. Well, Allison, you better hope that they're on when what happens to you happens to Cropsy. Stop it. Because there's no sprinklers in the world that would have stopped what happened to him. Um, and speaking of, based on your viewing the trailer, um, would you like to guess the twist? Guess the twist. Um, I feel like knowing it's based loosely on Cropsy. Maybe it's, like, at the end, like, they think he's dead and he's not. Great. That's going to be, like, the surprise. I think you're guess. I think you're onto it here. Okay. All right. Okay. So we open on a, a night like any other night at, of course, Camp Blackfoot. 
Um, everyone is asleep and until we hear we hear a boy's voice whisper, tonight's the night. Cropsy's going to get what he deserves. Remember what he did to you, Snoop? And we hear Snoop say, yeah. And also just, you can imagine it's Snoop Dogg. There's no reason not to. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's now all I'll be imagining. <laughs> and another voice is like, oh, and what about when he beat you up, Jamie? And we hear Jamie go, yeah. So, and what about you, Billy? He's been doing this shit for years. Now it's payback time. And all the guys say, yeah, we're in it with you, unnamed male character whose face we don't see. And Jamie, Soup, and Billy, they pledge their allegiance. And they're like, tonight's the night we scare the shit out of Cropsy. And when he wakes up and sees it, he's going to have a heart attack. Allison, they sneak into Cropsy's cabin. Now, Cropsy is um, an adult man. Okay. Who, I would say, why would you let a an adult who is so abusive and terrible to children work at your summer camp? But as we learned from sleepaway camp, that seems to be half of the Pretty the staff. Loosey, yeah, loosey goosey with uh, that stuff at summer camps, and so in the eighties at least. So they set up something next to Cropsy's bed. Cropsy snoozing away in dreamland, and then they go outside and they kind of tap on the window and they howl like dogs to wake up Cropsy. And at this point, I'm like, I'm on Cropsy's side. Don't do this. Whatever it is. Yeah, right. It's like don't terrorize people in the night. And when he wakes up, he sees on his bedside table is a worm-infested skull. Why? With Where did they even get in that? the eye sockets? Allison, I don't know, and they never explain. I have no idea because it looks they're at least human real, skull? like maggots. A human skull. I don't like that. I don't care for it all. Boys, where do you get this worm-infested human skull? Where did you get the skull? And also, Who's the candles in the eyes that's not safe. No. So, of course, Cropsy screams and freaks out, and he starts Obviously. flailing immediately, like, you gotta flail if you're scared. Do some Allison, flailing. He knocks the skull off the bedside table and onto the sheets of the bed where he's laying. Oh. They immediately burst into flames. Okay? I was like, 81, maybe we didn't have the laws around, like, flammable, you know, yeah. like, bedding. Yeah. The guys outside are like, haha, oh no, because the flames are spreading all throughout the cabin. Oh Unfortunately, Cropsy has something, it's something that we all have next to our bed is, of course, a big, full gas can that tips over. So when he leaps up, he's on fire from the bed. He leaps up, the the, gasoline, it's either kerosene or gasoline, probably kerosene if they're using it for a grill. It it explodes, Allison. Is it like candle light? Like, is it like lanterns and shit around? Is it like that? I mean, that that, I I, I would accept that. Some sort of flammable There's no other reason to have it near your bed. Yeah, I think Cropsy's living that weirdo life, so maybe he was, like, huffing it or something. But unfortunately, whatever the flammable liquid is, it immediately bursts into flames, and all the boys are like, ha-ha, oh, but really, oh, no. Oh, no. And he runs out of the cabin. The cabin's consumed in flames. Cropsy runs out the front door, totally on fire, and then runs and falls screaming down, <laughs> tumbling down a hill into the lake where he's finally extinguished. And I don't mean to laugh. It would be horrible. But it's just uh, the uh, worst. Truly horrific. Like, things are going bad. You're already on fire, and then you start falling down a hill. Like, the, yeah. from bad to worse. Bad to worse. And instead of helping, all the boys run away. Oh, no. Cut to St. Catherine's Hospital one week later. Oh, and we boy. meet the most inappropriate orderly who is welcoming <laughs> a new doctor. And he's identified as an orderly. Because I was like, is this motherfucker a doctor too? But he's an orderly. And he's there's a new doctor on the burn ward. And the orderly's trying to scare him. He's like, oh, you like the job so far? 
work here for two months and it'll age you like you wouldn't believe. The shit I've seen is unforgivable. Like this! And he, like, pulls the <laughs> curtain back. I was like, don't you cannot do that! Right. Again, I'm like, I still kind of on Cropsey's side. Like, it's like he goes from, yeah. like, being tortured by these boys to this. Like, no so, wonder, like, being you know? like, the, like, example of the <laughs> horrific disfigurement and horrors that had happened in this hospital. Like, Oh, and like yeah. this one, like this fuck face, like this total freak. Like, and he's like, and the orderly's like, I've worked here for 10 years. I've never seen anything this bad. This motherfucker's cooked like a Big Mac. He's standing over his bed, like crops you can hear. And he says, You ain't never gonna forget this man. As long as you live, you're never gonna see a freak like this. What? I was like, This again. The, well, like, well, like we always say, the greatest nightmare is the, is the American the healthcare, healthcare system. system. They, we need people taking good care of our, yes. t- our birth victims. Yes, and having, like, <laughs> compassion and humanity and not running a circus. And so the doctor tentatively looks over and is like, oh, my God. And then Cropsy reaches up and grabs the orderly's arm. And the doctor runs out. Do we see Cropsy? No, we do not see So Cropsy. we're just seeing kind of, like, POV from Cropsy, like, them talking? or We see a burned arm. Aye. So we see his arm. And the orderly screams and screams. It's like, you are not cut out for this job. (laughs) You work in the burn ward. A burn person grabs your arm. Maybe they're they're in pain. Maybe they need water. Maybe they need something. They can't speak because they've been horribly burned. And your reaction is go, ah! And just scream like you're in a horror movie. It's it's so funny. (laughs) Cut to Allison five years later. And we hear, we see Cropsey being wheeled out of the, of the hospital. And we hear a montage of like all of his doctors and nurses' voices like, It's been a long struggle, but now that you've regained your strength, it's time for you to leave. Considering how badly you were burned, you're lucky to be alive. The first few months outside will be the hardest. We're sorry. The skin grafts just didn't take. Not- <gasps> the skin grafts didn't Does Cropsey take? not have skin? So we're, we're so, so from now on, whenever we're with Cropsey, we're seeing it from Cropsey's POV. We don't see Cropsey physically, his face, until the very end. Okay. So Cropsey has chosen a, um, a, it's a very, like, Kelvin Klein look. It's very similar to Blade, the puppet from um, mm. Puppet Master, which Dave always says really has, is pulling a fit off. So yeah. it's like a long gray trench, like a black hat sure. sort of obscuring oh, his face. Gloves. Very chic. Very chic. So he's doing the most with what he has. I think very that's Dior important. Ohm. Unfortunately, he is meeting up with a sex worker who seems pretty unfazed by, you know, it's like, hey, great, uh, come on up. Um, this is the business. This is the business. And unfortunately, as soon as they get inside, Cropsy turns out the light. But again, the sex worker who, much like the orderly is credited as orderly, the sex worker is credited as hooker. Okay. Oh, well, again, the wide scene of it all. Yeah. And she's like, oh, low lighting. I like it. You can leave your hat on. That's okay. It's your dime. Guys are all into all sorts of weird shit. Oh, I'm about to be killed far out. Like, she's very casual <laughs> in a way where I'm like, this lady's done this before. If somebody yeah. walks in and immediately shuts the light off, that to me is like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, no, 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 no. We're keeping yeah. things safe and visible. Unfortunately, when he steps out of the shadows and she sees his face, the sex worker's like, um, you know, I think, I, you know, I got to turn in. I got a lot of stuff. So please leave. Get away from me. And Cropsy attacks her. It's genuinely awful. Like, it's a very scary murder scene. She's screaming. That's very convincing. And he also, reaches... Like, go ahead, sorry. Why? Like, I under, I fully understand, like, wanting to find the boys and, like, having revenge yes. on them. But, like... Right, to immediately... A sex worker that you don't know, just, like, you leave the hospital after five years of not having skin, and you're like, I guess I'll kill a sex worker? Like, it just feels so... 
I, unnecessary. I, I guess, it, and, and Cropsy does kill a lot of people where you're like, well, they weren't really involved, you know, per right. se. It's, yeah, to be total strangers. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe that's like showing like he's become something else in this. I think, yeah, I think it's like we're supposed to think he's like, he, he's been so wronged that he's taking revenge on the world. So like anyone, like the fact that she was like, oh, you know, actually I'm not interested, that's enough for, to set him off. And to murder her. Right. And it's awful because, of course, you see him reach over under her sewing table and grabs her big pair of sewing scissors and stabs them, like, right into, like, her solar plexus, like, right under a rib cage. Ugh. And then takes her and, like, smashes her through the window. But it's done really slowly, so he's, like, crunching her through the glass. It's really awful. Oh. The next day, we catch up at a different camp. This is Camp Stonewater. And I'm still unclear. I guess the other camp closed down. I think that's what it was. Because I was like, okay, well, you're just taking it to a different camp. That seems unfair to, to them, you know, like, but. So, yeah, so we open it in Camp Stonewater, and the counselors and the campers are playing a game of softball. So, for the most part, like, the counselors are, like, like we said, like, 18, 19, older, have went to the yeah. camp themselves. And then we have campers who are, like, some are teenagers, some are younger, but we're mostly dealing with the counselors and then, like, the older campers. Yeah. Okay. And the counselors are horny. Yeah. Oh, you have <laughs> never been anyone as horny as these people. And one of the counselors, a counselor named Dave, is played by none other than a very young Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. Oh, no way. Yeah. Is that That's interesting? fun. And then we have another one uh, named um, Woodstock, who was played by Fisher Stevens, a, oh, a very famous great you know, yes. actor as well. So it's nice to see them getting their start. It and is even, fun to see, like, young versions of these people who we, like, mostly have encountered, you know, as adults. <laughs> right. Especially Jason Alexander, who seems like he was born th- at 38 and, yes. and <laughs> is continuing to be for all, you know, until he becomes an older person. Yes. Um, so they're playing... Um, the softball, they're like, you know, uh, they're all ogling each other. We have Eddie and Dave, and Eddie's uh, like, oh, man, look at that girl's butt. And I'll tell you, Alcine, our standards for what a butt is are so different because they're ogling this, like, incredibly thin white woman. There's not a, an ounce of cheek yeah, to be seen. Just a flat. Nothing. Nothing. Like, her under, like, she's wearing bikini bottoms. It's They're basically hanging off of her. Yeah. And the, but that was the standard of like just like it was yeah. like the being thin. thin. So being so incredibly thin was the hottest thing. And not I mean things are punishing now. Like now it's like you have to have yeah, big boobs and a butt and a tiny waist. Like that's right. punishing in its own way. Things are not better, but right. like at least it's not as reductive. I, like, yeah, it's not it's not so it's such a specific narrow idea that really only few people could fit yes. into. Yes. Now it's like yes, everyone has to be the idealized version right. of themselves, which is hard too. But like, I was like, guys, what are we doing here? But Eddie goes over to the girl, Karen, and he's basically grabs her and was like, hey, if you're not doing anything tonight, you know, meet me at the rec room at 8.30. And she I brushes really them off. I can really feel uh, the pro- producers in that. Oh, and let me tell you, every moment I'm like, what? Like, is this what we think is normal, you know? And it's like, and- oh, well, some... <laughs> and she sort of, like, blows him off, and then he goes over, and, he, and Dave's like, ha you sly devil. It's like, she brushed you off. Like, why are you like, okay, but I touched her butt. You know, like, Ugh. so lame. Ugh. So um, 
meanwhile, the, the game is still going on, and someone uh, hits a ball into the underbrush, so one of the campers, like the who's, like, in a high school probably, Tiger has to run into the woods to find it. But she's, like, actually in high school. You know what I mean? Like, she's not, like, yeah. 34 playing high school, or she looks young. And so we run in, and we see from Cropsy's POV, again, wearing the long trench of the hat in the woods, Obviously. and now has graduated Great from— Great outdoor gear. You got it. I'm just really sweating bullets. You know what I mean? It's like New York State in the summer. Oh, so God, humid. So humid. <laughs> and so instead of the uh, sewing scissors, he has a pair of gardening shears. And we see him lift them up only yes. for Tiger to find the ball and then run back to the game. Everyone's like, hooray, Tiger. Mm. And that night we're in the mess hall for dinner and we see the actual young campers, but we don't really see them for most of the movie. But they are there. Yeah. It's a full camp. Okay. And we see the, the counselor, Michelle, and she's chiding Karen, who is the guy that Eddie asked out slash was being gross to him, for, you know, having standards. And she's yeah. like, Karen, you know, me and Todd, we've been together for years. We're the perfect couple. You can't expect it to be the same with Eddie. You just met him. It's like, that doesn't seem like what the problem is, you know? Yeah, no. And Karen even says that. Karen's like, sometimes he, like, he scares me. Like, I find that weird. I find it's like, sometimes I really like him, and then he does look something weird, and I'm like... What I don't know. Mm. And I'm like, that's a very perceptive thing that yes. everyone in this movie is going to sort of blow past. It's like a- anyone who has a bad idea about anything, everyone will immediately ignore. If somebody sees yes. something, nobody believes them. Mm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Just ignoring gut instincts and just general, like, picking right. up on behaviors. Yeah, attributing things to things that don't make right. any sense. You're like, oh, it's fine. And Karen's like, honestly, I feel so weird about it. Like, I, I asked the supervisor, Jeff, um that if if I still had to go on the canoe trip. And Michelle's like, oh, is it that bad? You don't want to go on the canoe trip? Then tell him to fuck off, you know? And she's like, no, I'm going to go. I just, like, if something weird happens, then I, I, I'm just going to come back to camp. I just, I don't know, I feel awkward around him. And at least Michelle, to her credit, is like, fuck him. You know what I mean? Like, hang out with us. Like, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And Karen's like, I know, but then sometimes we hang out and it is really nice. And I'm like, oh, God, being, being young is terrible. It's really terrible. Really and, terrible. And fortunately for Karen, the question of whether or not to date Eddie is going to be moot in about 24 hours here. You know what I mean? Because okay. there's going to be a lot of other things going on in both yeah. their lives. Yeah. Um, and the next morning, the girls start waking uh, They all wake up in the girls' camp, and we follow Sally to the shower, which is like in its own cabin. And she strips down, and she starts hearing this sound. And, of course, you, you see her topless. And she's, like, washing her eyes. Like, washing, washing her eyes. You know, you wash your eyes. You wash your eyes. You get a washcloth <laughs> and scrub your eyeballs. You know. A tiny, tiny little loofah for your eyes. This is how you. This is how I find out that no one else washes their eyes. I'm like, don't you hate washing your eyes? <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> it hurts so bad. I can't see for shit. Um, just then, Sally screams, and Michelle and some of the other gals run over. And then a couple of the guys, including Todd, who's, like, um... Michelle's boyfriend, one of the male counselors, runs over, and I'm like, oh, it's Cropsy. It's not Cropsy. It's just some asshole named Alfred who is spying on her in the shower. And Sally sobs to Michelle at telling her, like, Alfred was spying on me and he wouldn't leave. And I'm like, Cropsy can't get those shears out fast enough. Chop, no. chop. It's like, it's. It's, they're almost too unwieldy. Like, yes. To, they have a handle. You have to open them. They're kind of, you're not going to like weighty. have them at hand. They are they're weighty. Yeah. You have to, li- you know, it's like, I think, you know, he could have pivoted to something a little more. A stiletto blade. A, um, yes. a gun. <laughs> yeah, a gun. <laughs> slash just with a gun. It's America. Um, have a gun. <laughs> um, so Eddie and Todd uh, catch Alfred as he runs from the showers, and they drag him over to get cheated up by Michelle. Michelle's like, you cannot be spying on girls. You can't be sneaking around. 
And Todd's like, well, Alfred, what do you have to say? And Alfred's like, well, I only meant to scare her. And I'm like, how is that better than you were spying on her? She's still right. nude in the shower. She's still like, nude and like about? not expecting to be around other people. Like that's not. And here's what's crazy, Allison. This is what really to me is what makes it a, a Weinstein production is after this, like everybody starts defending Alfred. Like, uh, like Michelle's like, he is such a pervert. And Todd's, Todd has Eddie take Alfred back to the boys bunk. And Todd's like, what am I supposed to do? Cut off his balls? And it's like, no, send him home or call his parents or like punish him or like have a conversation with him. Like do anything. You know what I mean? I, you know what I mean? I, it was just sort of like, well, uh, well, of course he's going to spy on the girls and quote, want to scare them in the shower. God. It's like, why, again, boys will be boys. Harvey Weinstein will be Harvey Weinstein. I guess that's what yep. we're supposed to be telling him. Um, and Todd's like, well, you know, like, you know, he's sort of, you know, like a loser and nobody likes him and whatever. And Michelle's like, you're a pushover. You're too easy. Todd says, I will talk to him. I will mentor him. I will, I will get in there and I will make sure he doesn't do it again. And Michelle's like, okay, I appreciate that. You're listening to me. You're going to do something about it. So yes. Todd goes to talk to Alfred. And I think the difference is like, if this is a 13 year old boy, I think it would be like, you know, there are there are young men who need to, like, have these conversations. Like, this is what's inappropriate. The thing right. is, like, Alfred is 28. Like, he is an adult man. So it's hard oh, to mentally God. be like— I mean, like, no, he looks like— Everyone who's playing these teenagers are oh, so right. old. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, And so, uh, you know, Todd talks to him, and it's like, you know, Alfred's like, I don't have any friends. I didn't want to come to this camp to begin with. And it's like, you know, it's a lot easier to make friends when you're not lurking around the girls' restrooms all the time. I'm just going to throw that Words out there. of wisdom. And Todd says, I get it. You know, five years ago, I was at a camp or at a different camp, and I got into huge trouble. And I got sent home. So I know what it's like to maybe do something that you're not so proud of. And Todd says, you know, Alfred, if you're ever lonely or you need someone to talk to, you know, just come talk to me. And Alfred's like, okay. And so back at the girls' cabin, all the girls are talking, and Karen's like, hey, Sally, it's okay. Alfred was only doing it to scare you to get back at your this guy you're seeing, Glazer, for being mean to him. And it's I like, mean, what literally the fuck are you talking porn. about? Yeah, like, yeah. that makes no sense. No sense. Like, if he pranked Glazer in the shower, I guess I could understand mm-hmm. what you're talking about. But it's like, he was going to scare you. Like, it's already so fucked up. And again, Harry Weinstein. Yeah. Um, at least there's one character, Marty, who's like, wait, so he's mad at Glazer, so he tries to scare you? Like, why does that make any fucking sense? Right. But they're all it like, doesn't. oh, Marty, you and your questions about how the nature of reality works, you know? <laughs> and Karen's like, let's just forget all about this and focus on the overnight canoe trip with the boys. And everyone's like, ooh. ooh. And they ask Sally, like, so are you, fi- are you and Glazer finally going to make it? And, you know, they're like, ooh, all those muscles. Because everyone, like, Glazer is like a mean... Um, hunky, like, degenerate. So it's like Sally really likes him, but he is also, like, a nasty person. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I, you're supposed to sympathize with Alfred, and in order to do that, they have to make Glazer, like, such an asshole. Right. But even then, I'm like, that doesn't connect. Again, I don't know. Right, right. And one of the other girls said, I take Alfred any day. Why? There are other two more uh, other options of people dating. Well, you guys spy in the girl's shower? Like, what is happening? Um, so anyway, Sally, Sally's like, well, I don't see why everyone's so down on Glazer. Like, he's always been nice to me, and he's absolutely 
a babe. And we see Glazer. And Glazer is basically like a blonde Danny Zuko. Like he's got like a white <laughs> tank top and jeans. And we see him cornering Alfred. He's like, if I was you, I'd stay away from my girl, you little fucking weirdo. And the thing is, he's not wrong. And that's what's so yes. hard about this movie is like— Yeah, ta- very complicated. Ta- and then Todd interrupts. He's like, hey, Glazer, leave Alfred alone. How about you pick on someone your own size? It's like, Glazer is correct. He is on the right side right. of history. Yes. He's being mean. He's he's doing it in the wrong way. Right. But, like, he's not wrong to be like, don't fucking look at my— Not yeah. even a girlfriend. Like, the, my don't girl that I'm interested in. Yeah, like, what are you doing? And leave I'm like, where alone? is Cropsy when you need it? I need yeah, Alfred's head to get, get fucking, fucking chopped off. shears out and kill him. Yeah, and Todd's like, you know— Sends Alfred off. It's like, Glazer, if you have any problems, if you cause any problems for any kid in this camp, I'm going to bust your ass. Meanwhile, over at the lake, Dave and Fish and Woodstock, they are psyching Alfred up to go swimming. Alfred cannot swim. I don't know why he's at this fucking camp. Why are you going to a summer camp if you can't swim? And why are you going on a three-day canoe trip? Also, another thing that makes no sense, he's like, I don't have any friends. He immediately has three or four close male friends that hang out with him. Like, I don't know what we're talking about. But because Glazer's still mad, Glazer rushes up behind Alfred and shoves in the water. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Glazer. He can't swim. It's like he was going to drown on the canoe trip then. Like, what are you doing? Right. And the boys drag Alfred out, and Alfred vows revenge on Glazer. And the guys are like, yeah, let's get back Glazer. He's, like, mean to all of us because we're all fucking assholes all the time to the girls, you know? And Glazer swims over to the raft to hit on Sally. And Sally's like, oh, Glazer's gross, but also he's, like, the hottest one here, you know? And uh, he's like, do you want to go swimming, Sally? And she says, oh, no, I don't want to get my hair hair wet. All the girls are laughing. And then we see Alfred and the guys, and one of them has a pellet gun. And Dave, who's, of course, played by um, Jason Alexander, puts his hand on on Alfred's shoulder and says, Alfred, this is about to be the greatest moment of your life. And they shoot Glazer in the ass with the pellet gun. And okay. Alfred, all the guys are laughing while they moon Glazer. And Glazer sort of rants, and one of the girls shoves him into the water. I'm like, why are we on Alfred's side? I, I refuse to be on Alfred's side. I refuse to be on Alfred's side. I can't Absolutely be on Alfred's fucking side. fucking none. Again, Glazer sucks, and we're going to see him be, like, nasty for no reason to everybody. Of course. But they, that was only a requirement because the our protagonist is an awful pervert who— is just whiny. I don't know. It's just like, what a yeah. weird, again, a Harvey Weinstein of it all. Yes. Um, makes sense. And it kind of reminds me of that scene. Did you ever see Revenge of the Nerds? And it's mm-hmm. like one of the nerds who's like, again, one of the protagonists, like has sex with a girl when they're in like Halloween costumes and she thinks yeah, it's her boyfriend. It's, yes. And then one, we now know that's like sexual that's assault. Rape. <laughs> but also like she's then cool with it when she finds out and then she dates the nerd. And it's like yeah, no one is no. like, that wouldn't happen. And also what the fuck is going on? That's what this movie reminded me of. Like, why yeah. is everyone acting like, Alfred's like really cool. He's just like a weird pervert who spies on the girls. Like, who cares? It's so strange. It's so strange. And fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But he, he, so that night at the boys' cabin, Dave busts in with some porno mags. And everyone's like, hooray, we get to look at porno mags. Fine, look at porn. Look at all the yeah. porn you want. Leave the human women who are girls who are here, like, out of this. Right. And except Glazer, Glazer's like, ugh, you're looking at porn. You guys are such wimps. Like, where are the rubbers I asked you to get? And Dave got him, like, bought him rubbers. I don't even know where Dave got him. Well, and he's okay. like, these aren't even lubricated. I was like, listen, he, oh. he, he was interested in a woman's pleasure. I appreciate that about Glazer. And outside, we see Cropsy's POV sneaking around the cabin. And finally, Alfred looks through the window and sees Cropsy's face. We don't see it. And screams! Obviously. But by the time the guys rush over, there's nothing there. Allison, what would you do? 
What would you do? I'm packing it in and going home. Yeah. Like, there's just, even without the threat of cropsy, <laughs> it's very, like, I don't like what's going on. There's Everybody, too much going it's on. Too, there's too much going on. There's yeah. too many, like, weird fights and, like, sexual assaults and <laughs> yeah. apologizing for sexual assaults uh, and, like, no one, like, there's no one on the right side of anything, it seems. Yeah. Um, even, like, just knowing that Glazer is going to um, exhibit some behaviors that we don't like moving forward. Like, I just, this place sucks. <laughs> yeah. There's, I, and I'm just like, is this in any way what real life was like? Or, like, were the people making this, like, yeah, this is fucked up, but we we don't know how to make a movie yet, so we're just going to do this. It'd be like, everyone's just going to be mean and screaming at each other and, like, <laughs> yeah, right. being perverts. Right. I don't know. It's hard to know. I don't know. Hard to know based yeah. on who made it, so. But I think you're right, absolutely. And the thing is, like, when you create this environment, we now know, it's like you create an environment of, like, total chaos and dysfunction. When something even worse right. happens, you're not really set up for success in exactly. dealing with it. And here we are. No one is being trusted, so, like, nobody could be, like, like, there's nobody in this camp where, like, if they were, like, I just saw a horrifically yes. burned person with giant shears right, and a hat. Um, menacingly standing outside of our window, <laughs> I'd be, like, you know, right, exactly. I don't believe. I'd, like, believe women. In this case, believe women. Believe in Cropsey. Believe cropsy. in Cropsey, absolutely. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the Internet which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high-coverage foundation. More popular than soft-launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. They run over, and then Todd comes in to get them for dinner, and he's like, there's nothing there. Also, I realize when they go to dinner, it's it's pitch dark out, and it's the summertime in the East Coast, so, like, it would have to be, like, 8, 30, 9 o'clock for it to be that dark. I was like, these I mean, motherfuckers are eating the middle of the night. He's got these kids eating that late. <laughs> and so uh, the guys roll in, and they start flirting <laughs> the girls again, and Glazer immediately is all over Sally. He's like, how about tomorrow you take a ride in my canoe? And the thing is, like, he he's also indefensible because he's a full maniac and is constantly explosively angry because Sally's like, yeah. we'll see. And he's like, come on, Sally. Like, he's like, okay, calm down, dude. Like, he's so horny, it's driving him to, like, be a maniac, you know? A maniac, an actual sexual maniac. And then here's something that happened that I couldn't, didn't know what was going on, and I wasn't, I was unable to Google what it meant. But I'm thinking either, well, I'll say it. Okay. So one of the guys, Woodstock, okay. Fisher Stevens, was like, hey, does anyone have my vitamin E? And they're like, hey, you don't really believe in that stuff, do you? And he's like, I got to go back to my camp and, and get it. And they had been talking about, like, masturbating to the magazines. But then they were all, like, 
at some point talking about like, you know, like muscles. So I was like, what is the vitamin E supposed to do? Because it implies, because he, when he does get it, it's a pill bottle. So he's taking a okay. pill of vitamin E with his food. What the fuck are they talking about? What do you mean you don't believe in it? Right, like we're vitamins, like pseudoscience in the eighties. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like vitamin E. Like what? Also, what do you I think use of vitamin for? E as being a more like a like a topical thing, isn't it? Isn't vitamin E usually like? Well, and then I was like, okay, it's going to be like a cream or something. Yeah. I don't even know. And then it, but it's a pill bottle. Anywho, I don't know what it is, but it's just the reason I had to say it is because it sends him back to the cabin. Okay. Also, this is the point which I had said. It's been a while since I've had this problem with movies. Couldn't tell anyone the fuck apart. Oh, I was out yeah. here like I'm, struggling. I struggle with that. I struggle like, with that. Luckily, of course, Jason Alexander. But it's like I didn't couldn't tell it was Fisher Stevens because he's like so incredibly young. Luckily, like IMDb has it, I was able to deduce yeah. it. But I was like, which once he is that fish? I don't know. But it is Woodstock. And um, Supervisor Jeff okay. struggles to get everyone's attention. And he's like, okay, everyone, you know, like other groups of kids are going on different outings. But the older campers are going with these counselors we've already met on the three-day canoe trip to Devil's Creek. Why go? Why go? <laughs> it, it does look fun. I will, I'll get to that in a minute. But I mean, like, I do they like do canoes. have a good time. And I'm like, oh, we're on the river. Yeah, you, of course, you love, you love the water. I love the water. And we see Cropsey stalking the camper, like, through the underbrush through the to the boys' camper. And then when um, Woodstock goes into the cabin, he finds the bottle in the bag only to hear the, the uh, overhead light burn out. So now he's there in the dark, and he hears a creak of the door. No. And he turns, horrified, to reveal, it's just Todd, the counselor. When is Cropsey like, hey, going to get his shit together? <laughs> I don't, I don't exactly. It's like he's just a lot of peeping around. And There's a lot of lurking. And also that he is going to have to go to a second location because he obviously is going to follow them on the canoe trip. Right. It's like now he has to go on a canoe trip. He has trip. to get his own canoe. <laughs> he has to be canoeing with his shears in one hand. The logistics of this are a nightmare for somebody who's been in a hospital for half a decade. Yeah. I mean, I think the canoe trip really must have thrown him. I think he was like, great, I'm going to yeah. hear. I get my t- take my time. And then they. And it's like, oh, now I got to like, slap all the way to Devil's Creek. <laughs> yeah. Rent like a truck and drive there. Um, <laughs> So Todd goes to Woodstock. He's like, Glazer and Fish said you were really sick. And he's like, oh, no, I just came back for my pills. They were just joking with you. And they go back, and then Todd immediately goes to Glazer. Fish has also lied about this. And he goes to Glazer, he's like, one more stunt like this, and you're going home. And I'm like, one more stunt like telling you someone was sick and they weren't? Like, calm down. Everyone feels like, um, for lack of a better term, like, roided out. <laughs> yes, it is absolutely. No, no, that is the, that it's a knock of, not a lack of a proper term. That is the term. It's like they are they absolutely all roided, roided out. out, like horny and roided out. Yes. Yeah, that is, and maybe that does represent a certain aspect of, of, of teenage, of child, of yeah. teenage, yeah, angst and, and, and hormones. Development and, yeah. But, so the next day they all get on the, it's all the characters we've met that we care about and then so a couple like Some younger campers, you know. Out are going on the canoe trip, and they do find, like, they're splashing each other in the canoe, and they're laughing, and one of the canoes, like, tips over, they're like, ha-ha, our last day of happiness before about what's about to happen. <laughs> and so that night, they stop, and they set up camp, like, and it's so hard to know, like, ostensibly, they're a couple hours, let's say two hours downstream, sure. right? But, like, it's, they're not right near camp, right. so... um Todd sets up camp, and they have a campfire, and Todd tells them a story of Cropsey at Camp Blackfoot, the legend of Cropsey, which is, he's like, that's where we are near now. The, the Camp Blackfoot burned down, but before it did, there was a person there named Cropsey, and he's like, everyone hated Cropsey. Now, this Cropsey was a sadist, a 
mean, he got real pleasure out of hurting people, scaring them. And he had these garden shears, the kind with long, thin blades. So if someone were to say, do something fucked up, it wouldn't be so wrong, right? Right, guys? You're like, oh, Todd. Oh, boy. And he said, finally, Cropsy picked on one kid, and it was the wrong kid. And he tells them about Cropsy being set on fire. However, in this story, Allison, Cropsy's body was never found. And to hear Todd tell it, he still lives out in these woods, eating live animals, actually eating anything he can find. And all the kids are like, oh, boy. And right at the end of the story, a figure with a giant knife leaps out and a horrific mask. But it's just Eddie. And it's like, you packed a fake mask. A trench coat. And a giant knife. And a giant fake knife for this bit. And it was worth it. All the Honestly, kids, it, it kills. It absolutely kills. So everyone's going to bed, but Karen and, and Eddie take a walk down to the lake. And Karen's like, do you think this really is a cropsy? And Eddie's like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he grew in my, in my neighborhood in Staten Island. You know, he would put dog shit in paper bags and light them on fire. And it's like, the, if the man's a, super, a serial killer, like, the idea that that's what a serial killer is like, hey, I can't find anyone with a serial killer tonight. I do have all this dog shit. <laughs> I'm going to start terrorizing people's uh, porches. It's so funny to me. And um, Eddie starts hitting on Karen, but Karen's like, I don't know, I'm on the fence. We, she've already established she has mixed feelings yes. for Eddie. And, you know, she's like, honestly, like, you always talk about, like, how many women you get, and I don't want to, like, just be another one, which seems to be a lie as far as I can tell. Like, yeah. I think Eddie's just lying to, like, be cool. And Eddie's like, hey, 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 shut up. Let's go skinny dipping. Ugh. And Karen's like, I don't know if I want to do that. And he's like, oh, God, are you going to be cool or not? And so Ugh. she finally strips down. You see her naked, of course. And she gets in the water, and when they're swimming around, Eddie, like, makes a move to kiss her, and Karen pushes her, him away. He's immediately furious. He's like, why the fuck did you come out here then? And he splashes her, and I was like, Ugh, well, there you go. Get mean, the fuck out. On. Get so out. So Karen is distraught, and she goes to find her clothes. Allison, her clothes are missing. And she sees in the woods, like, her white underwear hung on a tree. So she's like, oh, God, they're pranking me. Someone must have found my clothes and they've thrown them in the trees. So now she has to walk nude into the woods and try. she gets her underwear. She's trying to find her bra. So she's, like, distraught crying after this, like, interaction. Unfortunately, as if that couldn't get any worse, Cropsy grabs her from behind and then just stabs her in the throat with his shoes. Oh, God. In the morning, Michelle and Todd wake up Eddie. Eddie has ended up sleeping, like, right near the water in his sleeping bag. And they wake him up. They're like, where the fuck is Karen? She never came back to camp. What the hell are you guys doing out here? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And he's like, I don't know. Like, she came back to this. I may have, like, you know, maybe been a little forward. And she came back to the shore. And, you know, I thought she went back to camp. And Michelle says, Karen told me she was afraid of you. And he's like, well, I didn't do anything about it. Okay, I didn't. I just let her go. And if she, she left, that's fine, you know? And then they look, Allison, the canoes are gone. And Michelle's like, fuck, Karen said that if she felt weird, she was going to go back to the camp. So maybe she took all the canoes? Yeah, one teen girl took several canoes? Like, even here, say that, I was like, stream? I was like, Michelle, you're going to be lucky if you get out of this alive. You know what I mean? And luckily, Todd is like, well, yeah, maybe she took one canoe, but what happened to the other five canoes? Like, that's insane. And so they gather the campers, they go down to, like, where they dock the canoes. And they're just, like, in the woods. Like, there's no road. There's nothing around there, you know? And Glazer immediately is like, I don't know who did it. It was Alfred. And to be fair to Alfred, he obviously didn't do it. So Glazer is, like, immediately on his case for no reason. 
Again, like and, st- the 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 chaos around everybody's interactions makes it like insane. impossible to figure out what happened. <laughs> yeah. And Todd has a great idea. He's like, okay, we're going to split up and search the shore for the canoes. So be sure to only have one other person. Or, hey, if you want to wander around alone, that's cool, too. Like, immediately splitting up in the dumbest way possible. Like, everybody go make yourself an isolated victim. Yeah. And he says to them, like, worst comes to worst, we'll build a raft and we'll say, and we'll and someone will have to take it back to camp. They're going to build a raft from scratch, Allison. And all the kids are kind of like, oh, cool, that's, like, kind of a fun project. Not understanding that they're, like, stranded out here. Mm. Like, and so once they're alone, Michelle and Todd are like, this is not fucking good. Karen is missing. We don't know who took the canoes. We can't just walk out of here. Like, we don't know. We're not oriented. They're not, like, wilderness people. I mean, it's not like they have, like, a compass. They can be like, oh, okay, this is north. We can try to find the road. They're like, we can't just wander through the woods. We have to build a raft. We're building the raft. We're building the raft. Which is insane, and I don't think, I mean, I don't know enough about it, but I don't think you could just build a raft out of, like, wood you find. How would you fasten it together? Yeah, you you would need so much stuff to make it work that you would not have brought with you. And most importantly, you would have to have the knowledge of how to build a raft. Right. And that's what's so hard. It's like, if you don't know how to do that, what are you talking about? Right. So, everyone's looking around trying to gather, gather wood to make their raft. And as they're searching around, Glazer... And Sally are, like, looking together, and he's really pushing her to hook up. And he's, like, all over her, and she's like, no. You know, and he's like, that makes my caveman brain crazy, you know. And she's like, I'm not saying I'm not interested. I'm just saying I don't want to fuck in the woods right now. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I'm clearly kind of interested in you, but, like, Karen's missing. Yeah, there's, like, a lot going on. And so— they, also, they, everyone gets to back together. They start building a raft with all the campers and the counselors are spreading out looking for the wood. And as Glazer keeps, like, hitting on Sally, he tells him no, but, like, maybe later we'll see how we're feeling. Alfred's spying on them from behind a tree. It's like, you can't even stop spying on Sally now. Yeah. You are in the woods uh, and you just want to watch them fuck, you know? Yeah. And so, Allison, they, um, well, they finished making a raft. Oh, okay. And so, Reasonable. Um, yeah, why not? And so we see... Um, uh, Eddie, Woodstock, Fish, and two girls, Diana and Barbara, they send them back to camp and be like, send them back and send back help. They are making a lot of progress. Like, they're really going pretty fast. It's pretty impressive, considering they just made this raft. But tensions are high, and they're like, what? When Diane's like, what happened with Karen last night? And he's like, let's talk about it after we get back to camp, you know? Like, I, I can't even get into it right now. Fortunately, as they paddle, they spy one of the canoes sort of drifting near shore. They're like, oh, thank God, we could split up. Some people could actually be in an actual canoe. Maybe the paddles are inside. Unfortunately, once they paddle over the canoe, it is, of course, a trap set by Cropsey, and he leaps out of the canoe, and he murders all of them with his shears. That's impressive because there's several people. He's just one Cropsey. I think it's just the element of surprise, which I do think is it is you know, like yes, you'd think one would at least be able to fall off of the water and swim like away. Somebody but I think they're away. so shocked yeah. when somebody again in a trench coat and shears leaps straight out of a canoe. They're all like, "What the fuck?" And that's all he needs. He just that's needs all that he moment. needs. Just that moment, that pause. Yeah. Um, and so, fortunately, even though um, they are stranded in the woods, Karen is missing, someone stole their canoes, everyone is in the mood for love. And see, we, like, we see, like, Michelle and Todd canoodling in the woods, and then Glazer and Sally finally sneak away to have sex. Allison, and Glazer's been like, oh, it's going to be so good. You'd be, like, talking about a real game. Glazer comes immediately, 
And he's like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. And he's embarrassed. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you probably want to go back to camp. And Sally's like, no, we can stand here and, like, see what happens. You know, like, well, we could do it again, yeah, you know? Right. And Glazer's like, okay, I'm going to go back to camp because it's freezing. I'm going to go back to camp to get matches and build a fire. And I'm like, does he know how to build a fire? No. I don't think so. And it's not easy. Uh, and unfortunately, as soon as he starts to walk away to the camp, which isn't too far, they're not, you know, but he's leaving Sally alone. We see the glint of cropsy shears in the moonlight. Allison, I got to ask at this point, mm. who will survive? survive. Alfred being the protagonist, I feel like, will survive. I think that Glazer and Sally are goners. And I think also Todd and Michelle. Like, I think it'll be like Alfred is like a problematic final girl. Yeah. And then we also have oh, and like... Cropsy um, some, too. And Cropsy, yeah. Because um, we also have some campers, yeah. but it's like, even I am like, no, they're going to they yeah, they're, right. they're not going to kill an actual child right. in this. Uh, oh, yeah. Do you think Cropsy's going to make it out of here? Yes. Okay, great. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary dairy. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. To your point, Sally is immediately stabbed to death. Yes. <laughs> like, does it, Glazer gets about 20 feet away. Also, just like murdered. a perfect, like, Oh, you had sex? You're going to have to die because you're a girl. Um, and that's yeah. punishable. And you just had sex. Yeah. And you just had sex. You just had sex, um, so now you must die. And you had sex with, like, the big, dumb lunk. Yeah. You know what I mean? You didn't have sex with, like, the the shy, sympathetic, right. weird pervert yeah. that apparently we're supposed to, like, care about. Right. At camp, Alfred wakes up to see Glazer grabbing the matches and then follows him back, which I'm like, you're only following him to watch them have sex. Yeah. Like, you suck. Learn I don't, like, a lesson, bro. Like, yeah. And when Glazer gets back, he lifts off the blanket, unfortunately, to see that, you know, she is dead. And then gets stabbed through the back of his chest by Cropsy, Aye. who then lifts him into the fucking air. Cropsy like, that's is how, He must have been working out in, in the hospital. Because it yeah. hasn't been long enough for him to, like, have, like, a, a training montage of any kind. <laughs> right, yeah. Does, does Cropsy have a personal trainer? Is he, like, running on the beach in the trench coat and the hat? <laughs> I think well, I think we have to assume so. Yeah. So Alfred freaks out. He runs to wake up Todd, and he's like, "Oh, they're dead!" I saw like it. And Todd's like, "Ugh, one of your dumb little jokes again, Alfred." Well, and it's like, boy who motherfucker, cried wolf. exactly. But it's just like Karen's gone. He's right. like, pick up the pieces here, yeah, Todd. Things you know? are going awry. Yeah, uh, but he agrees to go back with Alfred. And unfortunately, the second they find Glazer's body in the woods, Cropsy leaps out and like knocks. Todd unconscious 
in a way that I'm like, well, in reality, he would just kill him, but we need to keep Todd alive for a little bit longer. He knocks Todd unconscious, and he just starts chasing Alfred through the woods with his shears. Dawn breaks, which to me means that, like, Alfred's been running for hours and trying to hide in the woods. So this has been going on all night. Jesus Christ. It's exhausting. And Michelle and the campers wake up, and they see the am- empty raft drifting back downstream. And it seems like it's piled with their cl- with the uh, people who's left clothes. And Michelle, she's no dummy. She's like, it's not a great sign. No, But it's everyone not. stay here. I'm going to swim to the raft. Oh, no. She swims to the raft. Of course, it is their dead bodies. And she starts screaming. All the campers are freaking out. Obviously. And just as Todd wakes up and runs back to camp. So he arrives just to see, find out that all the bodies on the raft are dead. The campers are like, we're going to die out here. I'm yes. like, they are astute. They are yes. picking up detail. Like, they are correct. They're paying I don't attention. Know how they, They're perceptive. Yeah. And so Todd's like, here's what you need to do. Get everyone else back on the, on to camp on the raft. Thank God this raft is apparently, like, the best raft ever made, you know? So she, yeah. she's loading, like, eight, nine people on it. Like, there's a ton of people still. She said, get everyone on the camp. I will stay here, and I will find try to find Karen, and I will try to find Alfred. They don't know that Karen's dead yet. But he's okay. like, we've, we've lost Karen and Alfred. I cannot go. I cannot go with you. But please send back help. Call the cops. Yes. Something is obviously going on. Some, well, yes, these people are dead. Yes, yeah. You're right. He's he's not Cropsey. Obviously, he he knows that there's a serial killer at this point. And so Todd grabs an axe and he's like, I'm gonna fucking find Alfred. Meanwhile, Alfred is hiding like under like a rock cliff as sort of Cropsey like stalks him around this like area where it's like, I don't know what you call it where it's like the remains of like an old building in the woods. Oh yeah. I don't that should have a name. I don't know if there's a term for it. Yeah. But meanwhile, Michelle, Dave, Marnie, Tiger, and the remaining like, kids are, are paddling the raft back to camp. And while Todd's sort of, like, looking through the woods, I don't know how the fuck he thinks he's going to find Alfred. They're just in the raw woods at this mm-hmm. point. You know what I mean? Alfred is lost. There's no way to, like, find each other. Michelle and the kids make it back, and she runs to Supervisor Jeff, and he's like, "There, I we need to get the outboard motor. We need to call the cops and head back there. There's a killer out there. Jeff's response to his head counselor in a panic, saying that, like, somebody is out here killing or, and taking the kids. Yeah. Jeff's like, oh, come on. It's like, what is wrong? If you're a camp counselor, or do you just not, you're just so optimistic you you're cannot just like, believe I'm that sure anything ever wrong? That everyone is playing. Like, no. It makes no sense. But luckily, she's freaked out enough that he's like, okay, so he and Michelle are, are headed back on the, the outboard motor boat and they've called the cops. The cops are like, we're going to have to send a helicopter in because there's like a, a field to land in and we can't drive in. But luckily, the cops are on the way. Alfred, meanwhile, makes his way into, of course, an abandoned mine. Oh, and he's trying to hide in the mine. Of course, Cropsey finds him and drags him through the remains of this building, and he pins him to the wall by stabbing his shears through uh, Alfred's arm. So Alfred is like pinned alive inside this building. Todd, luckily, then hears his screams and fortunately has his axe, so he follows the screams into the mine. He's horrified to find Karen's corpse there, and he's almost crushed by a mine cart. And if right. that wasn't bad enough, Allison Cropsey lights a flamethrower that he has brought with him, or I guess must have put in the mine. But either way, Where Cropsey has a flamethrower. Where did he even get it and when? I mean, because like, he was in the canoe. So, I mean, yeah, it's like he must have been planning this. I guess he had five years to plan, you know. He could always. I guess. Scope, well, like, yeah, I guess Google Maps wasn't a thing. Like, how would you plan this kind of thing? Right. Either you don't way, know they're going on the canoe trip. And Allison, this is when we finally see on the night of the crops he's burning in flashback. 
we see the fourth boy who was there oh. who's organizing it. It is Todd. Yeah. He is the one who causes to happen to Cropsey. Meanwhile, back in, you know, real life, Cropsey is approaching Todd with a flamethrower, only for the flame to go out and Cropsey to disappear. And Todd hears Alfred r- r- screaming. He runs to him, but he can't get the shears out. To, to uh, You know, he's trapped against the wall. And finally, Todd turns, and we finally see Cropsey's hideously burned face. And Cropsey lights his flamethrower again and, and descends on him. And Todd is literally having to, like, fight a man with a flamethrower with an axe, which I think is good in theory. <laughs> but in reality, you're like, you would just be set on fire. You would yeah, be horribly not, burned. Yeah. Cropsey was right to plan this out, you know. Fortunately, as they're fighting, Alfred is able to p- pull the shears out of his arm and stab it through Cropsey's chest. And okay. Cropsey drops the flamethrower, and both of them start to make their way out. Luckily, just Michelle and Jeff are arriving. The police helicopter is landing. Help is immediately outside. In the mine, Todd's helping Alfred, who does have a wounded arm, walk to the exit, only for Cropsey to lunge out Obviously. again with his flamethrower. Luckily, Todd still has his axe, and he turns and he buries it in Cropsey's face, and Alfred grabs the flamethrower and sets Cropsey on fire once again. again. The irony, and we close out with another counselor at a different camp telling the story of Cropsey and how the story will live on. The end. Wow. Now, Allison, what are some fatal mistakes you think um, some people may have made in this in this film? Film. Fatal mistakes. I mean, almost every single thing that every person did, I guess, would be the fatal mistake. Like, everybody's behavior, defending Alfred, uh, like, going on a canoe trip when, like, everything is kind of already in chaos. Like, also, the even, like, bothering Cropsy at the beginning and, like, starting yeah. this whole thing off is, like, don't bully people. Like, even though he's, like, an abusive nightmare it's like just report him and stay away like right and i guess we're the thing maybe they did report him but like because it was the early 80s like they're like yeah of the course system it's a, is it's broken a, it's a summer camp it's staffed entirely by pedophiles and serial killers what do you expect <laughs> we don't pay very well listen we're gonna have to take who we can get that's basically who the, else is around during the summer it seems they're like off. the policy yeah um yeah but I think that's, to me, yeah, I think definitely accidentally setting Cropsey on fire and having him fall down a hill into the lake, which then set in motion a five-year-long plan for revenge. And then also, that like, seems like a mistake. Not, not, like, clearly not taking any ownership of that. Yes. Like, yeah. I always wonder, like, with movies like this, like, what would have happened if, like, the person who, like, and they didn't mean for what happened to Cropsey to happen to Cropsey. Yeah. But, like, they are why it happened. And it's, like, if they had taken any kind of responsibility and been like, this is our fault. We we are, like, I just wonder what Cropsey's yeah. mentality would have been coming out of five years in a hospital. This is interesting. I'm reading the Wikipedia and apparently the original um, film had a different ending. The showdown was not like in a mine. It was in a boathouse. And the other big change is that Todd would have ended up as the final boy and that Alfred mm. would have been killed by Cropsey, which makes me think that this is a direct intervention from Harvey Weinstein, yes, who was sympathetic like, no, no, no. to the pervert. The pervert must yeah. survive. Because it makes more sense if it's Todd. Like, who gives Absolutely. a fuck about Alfred? Like, No, that's, that's all Harvey. Yeah. And then finally, where would you place the burning on the spooky scale, Allison? 
a spooky scale. Well, I think these are pretty brutal deaths. Like getting yeah. stabbed in the back through the chest, like burning a lot. Like also like the cropsy of it all. Um, but it's still like a summer camp movie. But like all these, like this, again, this is all happening in the in reality, not in some kind of paranormal realm yeah. or what you know sci-fi. So I think like a five or a six. All right. I'm going to give it a four because I I do agree that it was scarier than, not scarier, but like the the, the kills were more gruesome than I was anticipating and were much more affecting, I think, to that point. And uh, there is something, I mean, the idea of being burned alive is truly horrific. So you know I'm spooked. You know I'm spooked. But um, everybody, we hope you enjoyed yes. the burning. Um, fuck, fuck Harvey, Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein if we haven't said that him, enough. Fuck him, fuck him. Hope you could, I hope he dies in prison <laughs> miserably and slowly. Um, but guys, if you liked this, we have a Patreon now, which you we can do. go to uh, patreon.com slash ruined podcast. And we're doing extras and ad-free episodes and bonus episodes and live show tickets and who knows what's coming down the road, but we're... We're learning this as we go, so please kind of poke around there. And if you want more ruins, that's a place where you can get more ruined. Oh, also, so we got an email with a question, which I think was a good one, which is um, somebody asked, you know, the additional mm. um, episodes that are available if you yes. get um, what are- certain tiers, the $10 tiers and the $20 tier, what, what kind of uh, episodes are they? They're going to be the same uh, yes. format as we always do. Uh, in the future, we'd love to have guests. We'd love to mix things right. up a little bit more. But as of right now, you are getting uh, two more episodes that are traditional yeah, recap episodes. that we episodes, won't so. be releasing on the regular feed. And, and some of them, I think we've decided that like some of the more truly gruesome things that, that the horror yes. genre has birthed um, we'll cover there. And so if that's what you want, you can buy into that. Um, and uh, yeah, live show stuff. I think you'll get the live shows early um, before they get released because we wait a while on those to release them to everybody unless you've bought tickets. But you'll get tickets to the live show included in your your Patreonage. Um, so patronage. patronage. Um, so please join us there. We're also on TikTok now. I don't know what we're doing there, but we're trying to figure it out. Um, we are really, at we are podcast, trying. which is the same place as you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, it's been a minute. I think maybe we would love, like, there's a bunch of new folks, I think, listening these days who maybe weren't around for a bit. Um, if you leave us a five-star review or a five-star rating with a spooky review, whatever spooky means to you, we'll start reading those uh, at the beginning of the pod again. So if you've got, like, a good... Yeah. Uh, spooky way of of talking about the podcast. Like, please, like, go read the reviews. They're all super scary and funny. Like, I truly laugh out loud and also I'm chilled to my core uh, when I read a lot of them. So uh, if you want to get involved in that, go do that. And we'll read it on the pod. Um, And until next time, gotta ask, please, keep it spooky. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Thank you.